0: Are you guys ready up there? All right.
1: All right. Quiet on the set. Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a producer and I'm also a board member of Women in Film and Television Ireland. It's time to call a halt to ageism in the film industry. In 2021, Women in Film and Television Ireland is spotlighting this important issue. We began earlier this year by hosting a panel discussion to cover the issue of ageism in front of the camera. Our chair, Dr. Susan Liddy, spoke with actor Orla Brady, casting director, Maureen Hughes, and author and researcher, Dr. Josephine Dolan, teasing out the issues and taking a cold, hard look at the film and television industries
2: you're very welcome to another WIFT webinar and the one tonight I have to say is very close to my heart and I know from the amount of engagement that you've had with us it's something that you feel very strongly about as well and it is uh, women aging women and aging on screen what's the story that's the catchy title but we all really know what this is about this is about asking is there a fair play? Is there decency going on in the in the film industry? Because we're being there's all sorts of conflicting messages coming. Or is the film industry a, just at its very core, and what can we do about it? So, so there are some of the things we're going to talk about. So before I launch into that, there's a couple of pieces of housekeeping, and then I want to introduce our guests that I am so, so happy to introduce and so delighted that they have agreed to be with us tonight. But a couple of things, first of all, I would like to thank Screen Skills Ireland for uh, sponsoring this event. Uh, we're very grateful to you, as you know. Uh, so let's get down to business. Let me introduce um, our, our panelists. Uh, the, all their information is is on um, our website as well. But just to give you a sense of who we have here. So I'd like to introduce, first of all, Dr. Josephine Dolan, Josie Dolan, that uh, she doesn't like me referring to her as Josie, she says. So Josie, I mean, look, this is all really kept nice and tight for tonight because I could be here for the next 20 minutes telling you about Josie Dolan. Josie is the author of Contemporary Cinema and Old Age, Gender and the Silvering of Stardom. She's a retired lecturer of film studies and a visiting reader with the Centre for Women, Ageing and Media at the University of Gloucestershire. Josie has published extensively on cinema, ageing and gender and her work includes research on older female stars, Fantasy films, abject femininity, Nora F. Efron, and older women's creativity, the Iron Lady, and organised forgetting, and British old age narrative films. Josie is an active researcher. She's attached to several networks with ongoing connections to Concordia's University, uh, Concordia's University of Aging, Communication and Technology Project. Josie, thank you so much for joining us. We're delighted to have you. Next up, we have Orla Brady. Orla, you'll know Orla from quite recently, Uh, I'll go through. I've told Orla already, I'm chopping back uh, all of this information. Um, But, so, Orla's films include Rose Plays, Julie the foreigner, The Price of Desire, A Love Divided, uh, for which she won Best Actress at the Monte Carlo Film Festival, and, of course, Maeve Murphy's wonderful Silent Grace, that has just got legs, that film, doesn't it? It never, never goes away, which I'm very glad about, I have to say. Uh, most recently, you probably have seen her in Southwesterlies, but she's also been in um, Star Trek: Picard, American Horror Story, Into the Badlands. We're, we're talking into American productions now. Uh, Back to the BBC, Mistresses, Doctor Who, Valander, Collateral, uh, and then looking at other work, she's been in Jimmy McGovern's Banished. Uh, in the US, she played parts in uh, uh, Nip Tuck. She was also in American Odyssey, Shark and so on. Orla, you'll have to forgive me. That's all I can fit in. I'm actually running out of breath. So it's wonderful to have you. And thanks so much for joining us, Orla. Maureen Hughes, thank you again. It's wonderful because Maureen, I know so much about you, but we haven't actually met. So it's a real uh, privilege for me to meet you. So Maureen has worked in casting on the Oscar Award uh, winning Short Six Shooter by Martin McDonough. Paulo Sorrentino's This Must Be the Place with Sean Penn, Once by John Carney and again, like with Orla, I could go through them and through them but she has worked on The Canadian, she's worked on Pat Collins's That They May Face the Rising Sun. She's been consultant with the Gate Theatre, Landmark Theatre, Getty Theatre Dublin and has previously worked for Drew Theatre in Galway Abbey Theatre Dublin and for TV a whole range of work there on Casting Love Hate, Rebellion, Raw, Taken Down, Hidden Assets and so on. Maureen also has delivered workshops for actors at Fastnet Film Festival, Dingle Film Festival, Galway Film Vlog, where she panels, uh, where she's of the panel on the Actors Masterclass annually, and that's coming up again soon of course. She teaches at the John Huston Film School, uh, the lyric Academy, TU in Dublin, and she joined a number of years ago the factory and began to work with young actors uh, and many names that are well known to us now like Barry Keoghan and Shauna Curleslake. So thank you all of you. Um, that's the bit out of the way that I hate, I have to say, because I'm always afraid I'm, I won't represent people properly and that I will also get tongue tied and forget what I was going to say. So this is the part we really all want to talk about, isn't it? What is the story? Josie, I want to start with you because I want to be the devil's advocate here for a minute and say, you know, when we talk about ageing women, and of course, even that c- I could be stopping myself every five minutes because some of the concepts are even troublesome, like what is an aging woman? Because, you know, we'll all be older this time tomorrow. We'll certainly be older next week. If I was to meet you again next year, we'll be another year down. So, you know, just that alone we could be talking about. But I guess at the moment, people are thinking in terms of Frances McDormand, Meryl Streep, Judy Dench, all of, you know, and I could name many more, of course. Um, and in fact, sometimes you have heavy, Headlines in popular papers talking about, you know, you know, like the, the this is the decade, this is the year of the older woman and all this kind of thing. Um, and I suppose my question to you is, has there been some kind of an ideological shift around women and ageing on screen? Because I see uh, on the red carpet in Cannes and you'll get the link, even though it's a loose one, the grey locks of Andy McDowell, the grey locks of Helen Mirren, and now there's all talk about, you know, maybe you can leave your hair go grey, and, you know, is this another way of embracing ageing? So I suppose in a nutshell, after all that, Josie, here's my question to you. Is there a problem? Is there actually a
0: problem? Or am I creating a problem? Okay. The short answer is yes, there's a problem. I can identify at least five or six Problems with the high visibility okay. of visibility of older winnings that we currently see. I would first of all want to celebrate what we're seeing. I would celebrate these, mm-hmm. this new visibility of older female stars compared to twenty years ago, twenty-five years ago, when the minute a star hit her menopause, she was confined to the part of a sister or, or an auntie, or became the Bette Davis in Baby Jane, the abject, horrible figure. So to now see um, older stars with, with continuing careers, with interesting roles to play, yes, of course, it's a celebration. But those roles are incredibly limited The image of stardom is incredibly limited. It's contingent upon certain forms of rejuvenation or the whole idea of the graceful age. It's contingent upon its whiteness. It's heteronormative. Where are all the lesbian women gone? Where are all the black women? What's happened to Whoopi Goldberg? Just to name one star. And that's just my knee-jerk reaction. And I can see what's nodding heads. So I know I'm touching a nerve. Now I don't, I don't want because I like to throw this out and let other people hear hey, what other people. But before I do that, let's just talk about the graceful age for a moment. The do, that doyenne yeah, of what we as older women are supposed to be. If you're not going down the rejuvenation route, it's the Judy Dench's, the Diane Keaton's, the Helen Mirren's. That beautiful presentation of self. That is elegant and beautifully clothed and never a, a, a hair out of place. Ostensibly, there's no work done on them, these women. But we all know that well, when we see them on screen, they've been airbrushed to the nth degree, they've been in makeup for hours, they've had their hair done, they are costumed in ways that none of us, unless you're a very, very rich woman, can afford to be. And yet, this is presented to us as some kind of achievable norm. Especially the Judy Bench look with those flowing blouses and baggy trousers that always looked as if you could go down the charity shop and buy it. But you can't, you try and dress like, like that and you look like a bag lady. So, there's all sorts of issues around the presentation of the older woman that has no bearing on the lives. Of everyday women that you see down the shops. So I'm going to stop there and hand it back to everybody else because I could talk for the full section. on this.
2: <laughs> well, that's, uh, I'm, I'm delighted to see you have lost none of your edge since I saw you last, Josie. I'm delighted to see that. Um, okay, there's a lot there, but okay, Orla, can I come to you and just, I, first of all, please feel free to respond to anything Josie has said, she she touches on something that's quite interesting there because certainly, Josie, in work that I have done in the past as well, this idea up to even the late 90s, you were talking about images of decline invariably. You know, certainly from the mid 60s on, you were talking about images of decline. And, and I hear what you're saying um, that, you know, on the one hand, there's visibility and is that a celebratory thing? But is it coming as a double-edged sword? Now, what do you think, Orla? And Orla, can I draw your attention a small bit to, let's say, Frances McDormand, who is the woman of the moment, if you like, because everybody is talking about how she's turned everything around and aging itself. And I just like your general um, your general response to Josie. And if you want to talk about Frances McDormand,
3: uh, sure. Um, I mean, I would agree with Josie that it, it is it is considered considerably better than it was uh, 20 years ago. When, um, however, um, just because we elected a black president uh, mm. in America doesn't mean that racism was solved. And just because there are some women who stand out as having prominent roles in films, remember, women are there, but they're usually the knitting in the corner part, I call it. I see them all the time. You get scripts all the time and you think, oh, yep, yeah, there I am knitting in the corner because that's the kind of role you're offered. So it's, um I think we mustn't be grateful. <laughs> we must. Uh, not be grateful for a little bit of change and great, we're done. We've sort mm-hmm. of, you know, ticked that off the list and mm-hmm. hopefully they're happy now. I would say we're not happy because what we want to see is um, the same reflection of our lives and our stories throughout our lives mm-hmm. as have existed uh, for men, pretty much for white men, I would mm-hmm. say. And and this is another area mm-hmm. that we have to be conscious of. But the, it's funny, you, you don't see a woman's kind of internal life you don't see that except in I mean we're thinking of Nomad Land very much when we yes. talk about this but but it's an exception isn't it I mean I, I'm trying very hard to think of other examples I mean Annette Benning is another standout yes. in that she is very uh very publicly against uh tricking around with herself she very much is who she is she's also very very successful and she would be another standout, mm. as is Meryl Streep as is you know the people you've mentioned yeah. but we are coming back to those few names again and mm. again yeah. which means that for the vast majority of women who are you know the actors and the storytellers and the casting directors and so on we mm. are representing stories of real life so so we're, we're a reflection of you know what's going on in the world hopefully and um, really it doesn't exist other than those mm. so I think there is a problem yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, no, I, I feel I'm like jumping in because so many things you're saying are resonating with me and I want to jump in, but I'm going to move to Maureen first. What do you reckon to all this, Maureen? I mean, you know, is, is there a problem in your view? And of course, your career has straddled, hasn't it? Uh, film uh, and theatre. And I'm, I'm interested in a while to talk about whether there are differences between TV, film, theatre and what they might be. What are you thinking
4: so far, Maureen? Well, first of all, having listened to Josie and um, Orla, I absolutely agree there's is an issue. However, interestingly, when, like I sat down for about an hour before we came on here today, just to think about what it is I wanted to talk about in relation to women and ageing and film. And actually, it is not the actress in her 60s that I worry about in this industry, because I think there are phenomenally brilliant roles for women like... Judy Dench, Helen Mirren, Catherine Deneuve. The area that I am most concerned for for female actresses in this business is the age from 28 to 45. Really? Yeah, it's a real dead area. Um, I think you will remember a couple of years ago, Maggie Gyllenhaal was refused to roll because she was 37 and deemed too old to play the lover or wife of a 55-year-old. And there seems to me, and Orla, I suppose I'd lean on you more for evidence of this, but it seems to me there's a real issue once an actress passes the age of 30. She's not the sexy, young ingenue because she's 30. She's not... Old enough, she's not young enough to play the mistress of the guy who wants to embark on an affair because all men, of course, who have affairs have to be with 22 year olds and they won't be going with a 30 year old, not if they've given up the wife who's 40. So for me, that's the area in casting that I feel most nervous about in relation to the acting community and, and actresses in particular is that that is where an actor really has to work hard to stay in the game because there can be a couple of very dull years for actors in their 30s and 40s. Um, and I don't know if that's been your experience, Orla, but I certainly feel that once you come to 55 and it's proven, even if we look at all the amazing television we've been watching, like Ozark with Helen, what do you call her? um Mare of is kind of a Extraordinary because of the really amazing presentation of the female actors in it and the amazing presentation of female roles in it. So you've an actress like Gene Smart who's been around for bloody years that you know almost seems to her career seems to have been totally revived by both It and Fargo, which she was amazing in a couple of years ago. So I don't worry about the Gene Smarts weirdly. I worry more about Maggie Gyllenhaal, who will be too young or too old at the age of 37 to play a mistress in a major league than Judi Dench will ever have a problem with. Did you want to jump in, uh, Orla?
3: I do. I just have to respond to something there. What we're talking about is one one of the the things that happens in these scripts and hence in casting and so on is the man is, 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 is the center of the story. So you are talking about playing a mistress, a wife, a mother, whatever, rather than it being the woman's story. So that's the first thing we need more. We need more women writers to write female stories, you know, so that that we do have, uh, you know, Mare of So we have more of that. But, um, given that that's the case and one of the things actually we spoke about this Susan is that I think we did um is that there's there's a thing I call the standard gap which is many 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 times when I've been cast I've been cast with somebody uh two decades older than me almost exactly two days uh, two decades older than me um and uh that is something that we're again we're so used to that we I've i I remember noticing it but it was the norm now I notice it more because I think why will no one except Pierce Brosnan cast a woman who is the same age as him if you remember the hoo-ha when he uh, did that remake of the Thomas, T- Thomas Crown affair and he cast René Russo the world went nuts it nearly melted down saying can you believe he's casted?" I mean Pierce is a great guy that's exactly the kind of thing he would do um but it was it was seen as so unusual that he could have chosen anybody and he chose an actress his own age um and even down to two films like because it's become a hobby of mine now anything i watch i pretty much look up you know the 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 kind of the pairing and what the ages are and in paddington bear too there's a decade difference because that's what the norm is you do not see an actor and actress of the same age together so um while the stories are yeah. centered on men yeah there'll always be a kind of mm. a, a younger actress to go with said um man so josie what are your thoughts on that
0: well, I totally agree with everything that's been said, but we we also need to think next step, step to which actresses in their thirties and forties have to have to perform girling. They have to be giggly and silly. I'm thinking sex and city, that kind of particular form of um a, a slight not a mature woman, but uh, a a woman who is cast has been in her 30s has to act like a teenager. So you get this strange dichotomy where the actress is cast 10 years, 10 years old, you know, older, but then has to act 20 years younger. You know, this strange mixing of ages that goes on within the casting and the performance of femininity on screen. I don't understand it. I don't know how it happens, but it's more and more commonplace that um, older actresses are acting you know, acting a part older than their own age and yet still having to do girling where they're not married with kids. They're not in a settled relationship. They're flitting about, and fashion is all they worry about. So it's a very, very strange dynamic. Now, I I I recognize. And I come to this as somebody who's not an industry insider. I come yeah. to this as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Well, I, what I what interests me is
2: the way that the discussion around, we'll say, uh, Kate Winslet and um Mayor of Easttown, which I loved, by the way, but the discussion around it about, isn't isn't it great the way she was prepared to look a certain way uh, on screen? And the other thing is that I heard uh, Dervla Kerwin uh, interviewed, um, about uh, and she made reference to ageing and um, and you know I don't know Derby Kerwin's maybe late forties maybe Kate Windsor mid mid forties something like that it just strikes me as a, a scary thing you know how age is being planted like as a, as a problem already on forty something year olds I I, mm-hmm. I just think that that's um. It's, it's quite scary, uh, it doesn't really bode well for the future, but I, I do think that we, we are surrounded, we have a number, we'll say, of great older stars. And I think that they can cloud things in the sense that you can rely on them, you can tell yourself that things are great for, you know, there's loads of parts for older women, but I wonder <laughs> if you took those, those women out what, what is left, really, I suppose, is, would be uh, what I'd be concerned about. But can we move on? And I just want to ask you apart from, we'll say, um, about, okay, we've identified a problem. Do you think, and maybe you've sort of semi asked that, do you think that, um, do you think it's the same set of issues for male stars as they age? Can I start with you, Maureen, there?
4: It's very simple, no.
2: And I mean, have you thought about this? Do you have you a suggestion as to why you think that is the case?
4: Because it's a man's world. It's this business. It it is a man's world. It's. I recently had calls during a friend of mine in Sydney because three of my friends have got transsexual children and they all want to be transsexual boys. And I rang him and I said, why do they all want to be boys? Why are there no transsexual women? Why is the, and he said, because it's a man's world. It's like everything in, not just in our industry. Um, no, it's not a problem for men. Men are deemed to be grow more handsome, silver fox. You know, the the terms that surround the aging of a man in our business are always so complimentary and so sexy and so, you know, daddy type or blah, blah, blah type. There is no problem for men. We do have a problem with women aging on film. There is no doubt about it.
2: Or what about you? What were your thoughts on male actors and
3: ageing? Do you echo what Maureen? Uh, d- I, yes, I would agree. Um, I would say that ageism comes into play for men because ageism is a thing for men as well. Um, but it's much, much later. Um, uh, yes, a man in his 50s, say, mm. into his 60s, uh, is seen as silver. So Fox Is can still, if they're a lead actor, can be seen as mm. in that role credibly. Yeah. Whereas pretty much every, pretty much every. And I'm talking about really famous actresses, top Mm. of the, you know, top of the tree here. Um, What happens is they're they're offered witch roles. And they play them and with great gusto. I mean, it's witches are fun. I've played witches because I got offered them as soon as I turned into my 40s. You start getting offered these (laughs) witch evil stepmother types, because that's how, you know, storytelling perceives us is, you know, the young, innocent girl and then the dreadful, manipulative, you know, middle aged woman who, you know, is is her nemesis. And um, so, yeah, you you, if you're if you're going to keep working, you kind of have to play a witch, but you're certainly not going to play. The equivalent of what George mm-hmm. Clooney is playing.
2: What strikes me is that, and I know that ageism exists and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist for men as well, but what strikes me is, uh, and I wonder what you think about this Josie, is that um, men will say in their 50s and 60s, those characters Tend to be very future oriented. Do you know what I mean? Life is an adventure, and they're still in the game—not just the sexual game. Although, I, was it Mule I saw? Um, it's a couple of years old, but it was Clint Eastwood film I saw recently, and um, there was still that scene where he was in a motel bedroom with with um, with two. I, it, it never spelled out who they were, but you know the subtext was that they were, uh, um, you know, I don't know, party girls type of thing, loosely. And I just thought, God, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, that says it all. But leaving that as an extreme case, I'm talking about, you know, characters. What what I long to see more of is uh, characters for women uh, in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And however, um, you know, characters that have, you know, agency and that who still want things in life and who are going on a quest to get them not sort of waiting, you know, for, for, for their life to ebb away and for, you know, or waiting to see if their children will do well or waiting in all of those things, of course, are, you know, we can have a range of things. but We seem to be missing that piece about um, the adventurer, if you like, the older female
0: adventurer. Would you, would you see some truth in that, Josie? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I think part of the problem is the ways in which the film and television industry is organized around genres. And most genres are male genres. You know, the action movie, the hard bodied action, the detective movie, the cop movie, the western. They all give fabulous parts to men. And even as men age, they can go into them films and play them ironically. They do the whole thing about the free. Body, the aching joints that can't get into saddle, can't be, and then suddenly the scene happens and poof, they're up, they're doing it, that they're being the thing. Even in something like Mr. Holmes, where the genius detective has dementia, he's given a problem, and lo and behold, his dementia practically falls away and he solves the problem. So this is endless thing. There is no comparable form for for women to do this kind of thing because women's genres are passive they're romantic they're they're home they're domestic Mm -hmm. there's there's so very little agency within women's Mm -hmm. genres so then when you get somebody like Helen Mirren doing the eye in the sky where she's a major political leader of a military assault it's Breathtaking because it's so out of the norm. It's so yes. unusual. The same yes. with Frances McDermott. She manages to make the, the domestic into an action pack narrative. Yes. They are so rare. They're like hen's teeth. And when they come <laughs> off, you know, it's like you, you see, you go to the Senate and accuse of women around the block because we're so hungry to see. Better representations of women, whatever their age, women who are not simply waiting around for a man to come and rescue them and love them and make them feel better about the world. You know, women are sick to death of those films. I don't know why we don't get them, because you know, you know, because they sell well. Yes, yes, we're into audience there. I'm just looking
2: at a comment here from Nulo Sullivan, the founder of the Women Over 50 Film Festival in the UK, Josie, and she's saying, uh, Meryl Streep, the year after she turned 40, she received three offers to play witches in different movies. She saw the subtext pretty clearly, and I quote, (laughs) once women passed childbearing age, they could only be seen as grotesque on some level. Um, That's like... That terminology is scary to me, but at the same time, it brings me uh, to something else, which is whatever the chances are of getting a part, a decent part, um, in film now particularly, uh, but I don't know whether it's the same for TV and maybe Orla will answer this in a minute. I think that once you're into the terrain of women over 50 being sexual and us seeing anything of, of that sexuality on screen, I think there there I understand this whole notion of the abject and the the grotesque because, you know, it's usually hinted at uh, more than illustrated. Usually there's concealment of the older female body and it really, I don't think, matters what great shape you're in. I don't think it's about, you know, to that extent, what what really you look like or whether you're fit or whether whatever. I think there's just some something out there which is I don't know um I don't know what it is so you know what what do you think or love that I mean is that is that is there truth in that as far as you're concerned
3: it's, my mind flies to um Tina Fey and Amy Poehler I believe uh, Amy Schumer I should say and uh, that sketch called the last fuckable day <laughs> has, has any is everyone aware of that um and essentially it's, they're, they're speaking a uh, truth, which is that they're, you know, celebrating an actress's last fuckable day because she's 39, oh. about to be 40. So if if ageism, which I believe is a central tenet of sexism, and it is because it's it means everything is predicated on our value uh, being, you know, our value to the male gaze. Mm. So if the male gaze is no longer interested in yeah. us, then of course, were less valuable if we accept that, and we have been accepting it. Unfortunately, we thought we had to for 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 millennia, probably. And um, so that's yes, that's reflected on screen. Um, I, I think it's it it really worried me when I understood that we were all being offered witch parts. I mean, the first time I was offered a witch part, I thought oh, excellent, great fun playing evil. You know, because it's fun. Yeah, uh, you want to do it. It's not that. Yeah. it's not you know, uh, valid as, as storytelling. Yeah. But when everyone, you, young, when young actresses are rarely, to my knowledge, offered which parts, it's Angelina Jolie, it's Charlize Theron, it's Nicole Kidman, it's, etc. you know, Meryl Streep as, as referenced. Um, so yes, it, it must be because a woman is no longer seen as fuckable. Hence she has to be the counter to that, which is mm. the jealous destroying mm. evil stepmother.
2: Mm. Maureen, as a casting agent, maybe you would have something to say about this. Is it, is it better on TV? Is it, in other words, is there a wider canvas that we have to play
4: with? Much better. In fact, we're looking at a leading actress here on my right-hand side of one of the big dramas in RT last year, the Southwest release, Mm -hmm. which was quickly followed by another incredibly uh, female-driven and female-led drama called The Smother, which Jarvis Kerwin and a host of amazing actresses did in RT Claire. I've just recently finished a drama called Hidden Assets where the lead is played by Anne Angeline, Angeline Ball, who plays a police detective in a massive murder case, which where she takes her into Belgium and back into Shannon. Um, And if we look at BBC or or English drama, God, some of the stuff we've seen there, um, like um, it's been incredible female led dramas in Britain and all of them completely gone out of my head. Actually, somebody just mentioned them there. I think uh, Catherine Marr may have mentioned some really good ones. Um, uh, with Sarah Lancashire who's an amazing actress there is an observance of really strong actresses in Britain as there is now in Ireland as well with things like the Southwest Westerlies which Orla led on and yep. Mother which Dervla has just led on and has gone to second series also so yeah I think television is better the Mayor of East Town has come through yep. the television network and it is groundbreaking I don't care what anyone says what's going on in, in something like Mayor of Easttown is groundbreaking and it's not about Helen you know what do you call her Winslet Kate Winslet saying oh don't give me makeup and leave all my spare tires in I think she's genuinely saying stop the fucking nonsense I don't care how I look this is important for my character so don't please take out that wrinkle on the left hand side of my cheek and leave that spare tire in at the back of my jeans I have it I own it so I do think television is way ahead of film at the moment and yet I would also quote two extraordinary films that have come out of Ireland in the last year or two, one of them being Claire Dunn's film, which she wrote herself, I might add, a film called Mm -hmm. Herself, which is about a young woman who builds her own house because of the crisis in the housing industry. Mm -hmm. This film has already done incredible business, has been reviewed off the charts in Toronto and is about to be um, premiered here in the next couple of months. And something like Rosie, uh, which I also found very moving and it very much centred, while it could have centred on Mo Dunford, who's kind of our our you know he's the Casanova of Irish film he's so handsome but it didn't it's it featured an amazing performance by Sarah Green. I
2: agree with you 100 percent and I adore Sarah, Green. I but, but, Sarah but, Green but Maureen Sarah Green is what in her thirties
4: and do we have a problem with this no what I
2: mean is we're here to talk about aging on the screen. So I mean you're 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 citing really interesting and excellent examples But of course, uh, you know, we're talking more, we're talking, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s and
4: beyond. Okay, so the point we're probably making is we need to see better, we need to see scripts that are written for older actresses. Absolutely. You can only cast and produce and direct if you have the writers writing the roles. Okay. So um, I in a way it would have been interesting to get a female writer to say, why are you guys not writing stories for older women? We're
2: going to be doing a Do second e- we're going to be doing a use. second event later in the year, looking at behind the camera. Yeah. I want yeah. To, Josie, you wanted
0: to come in there. Uh, just add something into the discussion around television. I totally agree. That's where you see the fantastic stories of older women. What I I, I want to pay tribute to soap operas. The soap, the weekly soap, you know, coronation Street, 50 years on the screen, has to have some of the best older women. Your women. We see characters age through the life course. They you know they grow old before our very eyes in real time. So I think they're amazing examples that are totally underestimated in our critical assessment. Of the space in which older women and older actresses get passed, and where younger actresses are allowed to grow into their old age. I think they're amazing. Yeah,
4: yeah I agree. Yeah, I do
2: agree. Um, Orla, have you, uh, you, I presume you've got the same positive views about uh, TV, have you?
3: Yes. Oh, of course, I mean UK TV is is yes, is wonderful. a standout. Happy yes, Valley, etc. Yes, it could yes, go on forever. Um, absolutely, yeah. I, I think it, it is in, in much better stead mm. than film because film has to. Uh, I suppose the 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 economics are different. If yes, you like. they are. Yeah. Um, and the audience is different. Mm. It's predicated, I think, on a younger audience going public, so they sort of try to appeal to that. Mm. Whereas TV um i mean on uk tv and this is a difference having worked there and ireland and right. here is typically you're trying to look you know the the they want that want actresses and actors to look like people you'd know on uk tv whereas right. here one tends to be glammed up i know this i i mean i get you know, get made up beautifully and you always think oh fantastic but it's it's because tv is more aspirational here so you do have a lot more gloss right, on the okay. TV here. I mean, again, that's that's changing, and the cables are doing things like Merviestown or mm. my new personal favourite, which is Hacks. I don't think you have oh, it yeah, on, yeah, the one, but it's it. again yes, the yeah. Great Gene Smart. Yeah. Oh my yes, God, it. it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's changing, and 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 of course, cable means there's just this huge diversification of um, just interest groups uh, and audiences for things that are more left field. Mm, so yeah. you don't have as much. I don't think I think you have a breakup of that kind of thing that really was dominant in the 90s. You know, the the friends in their beautiful apartment with their swinging, shiny hair and, mm. um, you know, and the eternal lawyer and cop shows where everybody, you know, j- just has lip gloss on. Yeah. I think that's changing. Yeah. Long May. Yeah. That live. I also
4: think French cinema has been yes. out in front. Um, for the older actress and the older woman. I mean, I just noticed that in Cannes yesterday, Emmanuel Berko has just launched a film called something like Peaceful, I think it's called, with Catherine Deneuve. And uh, it's her second film to work with an older actress. I do think French cinema has always been out at the forefront of working and being excited by the experience of older women, both sexually and intellectually. Um, They're not afraid. In fact, they seem to kind of weirdly one more and more of that. It's it, they've got a really, really interesting appetite for that. So it is interesting looking to France and seeing what's going on there, which is not going on here, obviously, or indeed in America.
2: Two comments well, here, folks, uh, from uh, from uh, one panelist says Granny O'Grimm's Sleeping Beauty. Short animation by Brown Bag sums it up nicely, nominated for an Academy Award. I saw that and it is wonderful. And uh, Andy McCaffrey-Burn says, hey everyone, I'm acting 12 years. And now I'm writing, producing, developing and acting in my own films. We need to nurture female writers uh, because that's where it starts from. Um, and she, she's saying compared to male directors and, you know, female, I think the point that you're making, Andy, is that, you know, female writers and male writers and directors, I mean, they are worlds apart at the moment. I'm only 42 and just starting. I mean, I think we can't underestimate that. And you made the point, Maureen, um, that, you know, the more women you have creating, and uh, uh, writing these parts, the better it will be. But let me throw this out, out to you and see what you think. I wonder in one way, Is that a little naive? There's a lot of truth in it, yes, but I wonder, is it a little naive? Because during uh, my research, going back a couple of years ago, I was meeting writers who were pitching ideas uh, and they were including in it women, like I say, 45, 54, and were being advised by executives, development executives and so on, to make that a younger age and to, to alter. So I wonder in a way with the best will in the world, Are we underestimating the extent to which ageism is sort of has crept into the whole industry and the people perhaps who are, um, you know, creating a a different television or film projects are themselves um, influenced by perceptions of youth, of youth equals better, better box office, you know, more desirable
0: product. Uh, What would you think, Josie? There's there's an element of that because we're talk, talking about film and television we are talking about major industrial structures that have that, whereby ageism and sexism is embedded within the very institutional structures so for somebody trying to make their way in that world even if they want to kick against it to make a people have to make livings living and are held hostage to that world you know, I think anybody trying to make a living as a writer, a director of film or television is a, uh, that kicks against the mainstream. is really on a hiding to nothing. You know, while we've been talking, I've been thinking about Corinda Chada and the films that she's made as an independent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Always amazing films, always very low budget, but they never get the circulation or the publicity that they yeah. deserve. I mean, some of her um, characters of older women, they're, they're to be treasured. But whoever's heard about them, you know, 10 years on, 20 years on, her biggest yeah. success, strangely enough, is about Bruce Springsteen, you know? <laughs> I mean, and that sort of sums it all, the difficulty of breaking those institutional barriers to change. I what all yeah. Maureen thinks about that when you work in the industry, what it feels like to batter against that wall. Do you feel
2: that there is a, a wall, a kind of a wall there, or not, Maureen?
4: I don't know that I describe it as a wall. Yes, it is easy to sit here and say, oh, it's all blah, blah, blah. But I, maybe because I'm sitting on this side of it and working, I am feeling a tidal change coming, but I'm feeling it on every level in terms of. Um, in terms of ethnic casting and, and and the whole politics of sex and gender, uh, like there we are being I am being re-educated at such a fast pace as a casting director these days. Uh, in terms of all of the things we need to change and make better in our industry, it's phenomenal. I sometimes feel like I'm slightly overwhelmed by it and I terrified I don't use the right language and because there is there is a tidal change happening that I do know and. Um, I just noticed that Gronia Humphreys just messaged there to say that she was adding other names I think to, to my discussion about the French like Juliette Bonneau. Yes
2: I was just trying to catch up there yes uh, You know
4: um, I think the French are absolutely leading the, the charge here it is up to us to look at the way they work and, and celebrate the way they work and of course it would be incredibly helpful if instead of a Paolo Sorrentino movie about like something like La Gran on won the Oscar if something something like Emmanuel Bear or Emmanuel Berko's film with Catherine Deneuve was up for an Oscar because we just need a, we just need to push in that direction. But we need to support these films. We need to. Um, yes. It's up to us in a way, you know, we've to kind of push it. Mm.
2: There's an interesting comment here, too. Great insights on soap uh, makes me yeah. think they're a bit like comedies, not taken seriously. Oh, right. um, and you know, the company, the, the suggestion is that film criticism does have a part to play. And a good point, interesting that a film like Mamma Mia, which apparently one in four people in the UK own a DVD copy of, um, but it's seen as fluffy or certainly, you know, a lot of these films that are popular can be dismissed.
4: I bought Mamma um, Mia for the soundtrack. Abba always wins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but I suppose the serious I'm question sorry. is, you know, do the male critics take uh take films like that seriously? Um and I suppose that that leads kind of into another question too. Um you know films that are literally uh made if seeming, if you like, to capture the so-called grey pound. And they would be, you know, a range of older male stars, sometimes female stars, to get, you know. And uh, am I being a bit cynical, but it seems to me that that's not quite what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for an incorporation of, um, uh, you know, know, actors, male and female of all ages, uh, telling authentic stories. Um, And sometimes when when you see the films come out, it seems that they're... um, maybe maybe I am being cynical, but it seems to me that they might be being a little cynical in the sense that, oh, there's a demand for this because, you know, the older people want to go to and see something. Uh, Josie, have you any thoughts about, about, if you like, those kinds of films? Do you know what I mean? They're not principled. They make me
0: furious. I, I feel patronised. I feel demeaned. I feel conned because it's so lazy. It's so lazy. I mean, it does seem lazy. They go to the the nearest genre, the heist movie, the, the, well the romantic comedy again, write the most feeble script with undeveloped characters and think oh that's good enough for all the people they'll go and see it because, no. because the best exotic marigold Hotel was successful and we need more like that but and, and you know that's a, 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 a very troubling film in all sorts of ways and None of these great, great pal movies have got um, the depth even of something like The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Like, it just infuriates yeah. me. Like, there's so much <laughs> talent, there's so much writing talent, there's most so much acting talent. And they're just wasting it because they're too so lazy. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't ever apologise for your rage, Josie. No. Um, Orla, what do you think? Do you you know the kinds of films we're talking about?
3: I do. And I would agree wholeheartedly with Josie. um, They do feel patronising. One of the things to to go back to a point Maureen made earlier Mm. um, about how the French uh, have have many, many older women in films and are interested in them as protagonists. One of the reasons I think uh, someone out there may know more than me on this is that the French don't think that you become unsexual Mm. at the draw at the, at the, at 40 or whatever, you know, 45, 30, whatever Mm. they've decided. Um, So one of the things I see, even in films that attempt to be serious, there was a film a few years ago with, I think Tom Courtney and, um, oh gosh, anyway, they showed a sex scene between two older people and it was, very gentle and tentative and sweet. And I thought they've been married for years. Why would they suddenly be all a little bit kind of shy with Mm. each other and it's all Mm. a little bit too tasteful. Mm. And and then I thought, oh, it's it's that yuck factor that people think, well, we don't really want to see any overt sexuality between two people of age. And and again, I've noticed, and many people I know have noticed, that at you know at the drop of 40, suddenly the characters that you're sent to read are frequently very repressed, overtly so in the script. So one of them, I, I remember the description was her lips press together and she smooths her skirt nervously. This is the mention, the mere mention of sex. Because, of course, she's a mother. And, of course, at at 40, you you stop being the bousy that you were when you were younger and you suddenly become this repressed being. Now, again, it's not that it doesn't exist and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's pertinent to a story. In the same way that you can be... You know uh, a black male criminal and yes. sometimes that needs to be in the story but if that's all you're being offered we shouldn't be playing that we shouldn't be perpetuating that because if that's all that's being written mm. for us then mm. what the heck
2: yeah what about that the yuck factor um uh, if, if i may quote Orla there uh, maureen <laughs> do you recognize that as a truth yes
4: yeah and, and is that i suppose the question is i think again it's it's yeah it's not even about our industry, it's about it's about the human, it's a human response. if you if If you go to any young male of thirty, he doesn't want to see a sixty five year old woman and man having sex, it's just it's it's too out there. It is too, as Orla said, yuck, it's and, I, and that's not just part of our industry and something we have to deal with. that has to do with the human condition. I suspect.
3: But yeah. but maybe those films aren't for that 30-year-old. We want to see it, but
4: maybe not the yeah, 30-year-old. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. not making them for us. They're making them for the 30-year-old. The issue but, but, is, but is that,
2: true? True. Is that totally true? true? Because yeah. I know this debate has raged for years, hasn't it? The audience. Yeah. Initially, we were told that um, cinema was for yeah. young men. Uh, and there was a kind of an, an age group thing, given this, these, that this is the age group of young men that go to the cinema. And then that has been revisited over the years and, um, you know, n- not always supported. I wonder, are we still thinking about that audience when we should be thinking of audiences? Uh, audiences for different kinds of films.
0: Josie, what do you think of that? Well, I think we, we need to start thinking about... An exhibition platforms, whether it's in the cinema or screen somewhere, because what is comfortable to watch in a cinema yeah. is very, very different from when you're sitting at home on your own, or you're sitting with your grandchildren at home, which I often do. You know, and have, I've had a few excruciating moments where, oh, there's a sex scene, I wasn't expecting that, and I'm sitting with my eleven-year-old <laughs> grandson, and we're getting both of us cringing. So I think there are those 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 issues there, but the film industry does not seem to nuance its distribution in terms of who goes where. The the, the fastest growing audience for cinemas, certainly in the UK, is the grey audience. You know, we go. It's what we do. We've got time to go, and we can actually afford it. Where young people can't, because going to the cinema is expensive, but downloading and watching online is not. Especially when 20 of you can sit around and watch it together for the, the price of one download. So those kinds of economics are really shaping the ways in which films are viewed. But the film industry certainly doesn't seem to be nuancing its production. It still does most of its audience research with young men, mm.
2: 18
0: to 25. They know that women will go and watch male genre films but men will not go and watch women's films, so they don't make them. You know, so it's this self-perpetuating cycle whenever we're looking at the mainstream. Um, And you do get more sex scenes with older people. In television, you know, it's less of a surprise. It's often it's implicit. You don't get the writhing, sweating bodies, but you know that those older people I getting down and having a really cool time together. You know, <laughs> you know, it's there, it's in the script. Hmm. It's totally effaced from Phil in ways that are really interesting. It's not just about what's shown. It's, it's it's about this whole repression that all of us talking about the smoothing of the skirt and the pressing of the lips. Suddenly, you know, I, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna burble on a bit here. I mean, we've got to remember one of the things. Is that the whole censorship system that we inhabit was introduced by the Catholic organizations of the USA who forced Hollywood into censoring the kinds of films making back in the 1930s? And that we're left with that legacy. You watch some silent movies, the very early films, they're incredibly racy compared to what we get now, because of this whole anxiety around the Catholic League. That help to shape the morals and the censorship of the Hollywood industry. So you know, there's lots of these industrial factors that that have to be taken into account. So I suppose Mm -hmm. if we were to
2: say, okay, we're we're here tonight talking about this. As I say, I know that it's something that exercises our members to a very great extent. Uh, I know it's a talking point and I know also that there's a whole other story, as I said, about the storytellers behind the camera and and where they're coming from that they feel very strongly about. But I suppose we're back to, is it too big a thing for us to fix as individuals or like, can we do anything to dismantle this or are we pawns in the whole system? Well, goodness, um, I, so yeah, I to no to pressure.
3: yeah, I will. I'm about to do it. Um, I, I'll say what I'm doing, I suppose, which is that one of the things I did as a default is I would make ages jokes about myself, those self-deprecating jokes where, you know, like, a younger actor would have to play with you and you think, oh, God, you pro thing having to play with an old one. Oh, God, sorry. You know, we would do that kind of thing where you'd in fact, a, a fellow actress and I did it made up an entire sketch about older actresses terrorizing young men because they had to come on set and be romantic interests and all that sort of thing. And we used to fall around laughing about it. Um, and we thought it was self-deprecating were, but it's 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 taking the bat on, isn't it, and handing it on in a way that's not useful. And I'm trying to not do that. I'm just trying not to collude mm. <laughs> with with mm. the system that tells us we're less valuable. So I'm trying not to make um didn't Hannah Gatsby say it's not it's not humbling, it's it's humiliating. You know, you can mm. you can you can you can accept a system and make jokes on that basis, and I no longer want to do that. Yeah. So, that's the personal. Mm.
2: Yes. Um, and, and Orla, but as as an actor, trying not alone to make a living, but also obviously uh, you you're a talented actor and you want to do what you're good at. It must be very frustrating, is it? To have to to battle your way through and maybe. Uh, not have the range of parts perhaps that you would like to have on offer, or are you one of the lucky ones? Maybe you do.
3: I'm lucky at the moment because I'm yeah. working and I and I'm doing a job I really love. Yeah, you know. So and and I have done things that I really love. Yeah, uh, several times in my life, not always, but several times. And mm-hmm. recently with Rose Place, Julie, things like that, which were complex yes, parts, and and family. it was led by the wonderful Anne Skelly, and yeah. you know it, it and myself, and it was. I'm lucky. Yeah. It's funny enough. It's something Maureen said earlier that I thought, God, I, I think I know what she means, which is that I experienced all this when I was much younger. Right. Because I was only getting going in film, really. I'd done theatre previously, but the kind of first time I think I ever was in front of a camera, I was already 31 or thereabouts. Mm. So already people were saying things like uh, they would ask uh, Someone needs to cite, it, there's a woman who's began a site called Everyday Sexism, a young woman, if you remember, years ago. Yeah. And someone needs to do the Everyday Ageism, because, again, there is cascades of comments that you hear and that you take on board over your lifetime. And at a certain point, you think, this isn't right that people can do this. So a director will say, oh, gosh, in terms of casting, um, this is years and years ago. Yeah. Are you sure, you know, about me, are you sure she's the right side of 30? And my friend said, well, I didn't know there was a wrong side. And, you know, that sort of thing goes on. Or or um, I commented on an actress being rather wonderful and getting a part that I was hoping I could be up for. And I said, well, she's rather wonderful and she's also beautiful. And he said, oh, yeah, but she's in her 30s now. So less and less so every year. So and on it goes. So you, so So that kind of ageism kicks in very young. So it doesn't in a sense. I'm almost past that now. I'm, you know, I'm oh. I'm. I get roles because I get roles because they're right for me. I I mean, that's possibly a little naive, you know, it, it, it still plays, but I noticed it more in my thirties, mm. I think, and my forties. Yeah. Does that, Maureen, does that make sense? And I think that's where
4: the problem is. Yeah. I think that's yeah, where the problem yeah, is. Funnily. I think as you now keep going, you've established yourself. You're a really interesting actress. You're, proved yourself to be a lead actress a lot of your battles are behind you um the the area for me certainly in casting is in that age somewhere between 28 and 45 Um, it goes from not being the ingenue and then once you're not the ingenue you're in that awful nebulous time that is the 30s and then you're straight into menopause they don't want to touch you because you're sweating too much or whatever so it takes all that whole circle to come out before you're interesting to them again Um, So I think that's where the issue is. And can I change it in my small way, given that I am merely a midwife to one area of, of the film business and into another, very little power... But a nod time, you will say, Look, there's a fantastic role here, but it doesn't have an age in it. I'd love to cast someone in their mid 40s who just brings a whole level of experience to this role and just something that'll kick it off. I can do things like that, but mm-hmm. there's small efforts and not enough really to change that right. eh, that needs sure to be changed. Think, what,
0: what do you think? Well, I, th- I think both all are absolutely right that you can only do it in small chunks, you know. There is Way movement yet. We've not got the the, the mega two scale a campaign going on yet, but it will come. Mm. But I think it's absolutely right to fight your own corner. I mean, I'll keep on writing until I drop. You know, keep getting published. But in my own personal life, I now refuse to accept that being told I look young for my age is a compliment. Exactly. I'm I'm now. I call myself an old lady. I'm an old woman. I'm proud of being an old woman. The very fact that I have outlived the lifespan of both of my parents. Thank you very much, the British welfare state. You know, I'm so proud of being old, and I want to wear it as a bag, that badge, of pride, in the way that gay and black activists wore those previous derogatory terms and turned them around so you know I'm constantly trying to get all the women who are my friends who are my colleagues to do the very same stand up out and proud and say I am old
3: I completely agree, I completely I just agree. agree.
2: Thank you, Josie, my goodness. Um, right, uh, there's a couple of, uh, I, I could laugh now. That is just a campaign. That feels like a campaign coming on, uh, uh, Josie. <laughs> no, I'm, re- I'm reading some of these. You, someone talking about I Hate Susie by Billy Piper. Great range of ages of female characters. Films need to catch up. Uh, France has always been way ahead. And we're back to France there. Um, Australia, somebody says, Lana says, Australia's the unusual suspects. Had a great cast of women of all ages, right. and didn't shy from sex scenes and sex appeals with actors over fifty. It was very realistic with women in general. And um, oh, he, somebody says, "What do we think of um, uh, you know blind ca- casting?" Uh, I, I don't know whether you want to uh, address that. And then somebody says, "Here, my advice is to not." write a character's age on the script so that ideas don't get closed down from the beginning and perhaps more interesting choices could be made I don't know whether that's is that is that feasible Maureen
4: or no well, it's not always feasible I Christine noted and I know what she's saying sadly though it's not always you know there's something, if I even look at Claire Dunn's script, which, you know, she wrote the role for herself. She's a young woman in her late 20s. If she hadn't put an age on it, would I have brought someone in their late 50s to that role? Yes, I would have liked to. It would have been the same story. We just have to be careful because with age comes experience and a life lived and you have to be a little careful. I don't think it can be as broad as don't put ages on anything right. and let's see what comes out of it. Okay. I suspect a writer has a very clear idea of 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 a character's journey and position in the world he or she has set them in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we can be that broad. Mm-hmm. But you can certainly you can certainly look at doing it sometimes.
2: Yeah. Okay, folks, we've actually gone over time and I could happily stay on for another hour. I mean, I suppose um, one hope would be that as more women... I'm saying older women. I don't even know. We haven't even agreed what that is. But, you know, as more women... Look to see themselves represented and find that there is a gap. Perhaps that that perhaps voices will be raised and say, where are these women? The other thing is we haven't and and, and these points were, were were made by you, I think, Josie, earlier on, you know, we are talking about where are the black women? where are, you know, there are there's there's layers and layers of invisibility. But the other thing is that when we talk about diversity, of course, you know, to me, age, is part of diversity as well. And it just mm. needs to, we need to rem- to remind ourselves of that, that it is worth talking about. Um, yeah, mm. so that's it for the moment. There's lots of comments coming in, very, um, uh, very uh, supportive and delighted comments. Um, uh, legends, oh, that's wonderful. People are calling us <laughs> legends. <What's that> <laughs> <one>? <laughs> <laughs> and people saying how much they enjoyed it, which I'm delighted to hear. Uh, so, all that remains, unfortunately, this time is thank you, Dr. Josie Dolan. Uh, thank you for introducing the uh, I Am an Old Woman. I mean, I don't think I'm quite ready yet, Josie, for think about it. Thank you, Orla Brady, for those insights. And thank you very much, Maureen Hughes. And the comments are literally wonderful discussion. Thank you all. Wonderful panel. So inspiring. Brilliant. Thank you all. It really does mean a lot to people. Thank you all very much. I hope to see you very soon again. And maybe actually live in a room somewhere would be good. We can aspire. (laughs) We can aspire. Thank you, folks. Thank you very much indeed.
1: Bye bye. To Women in Film and TV Ireland and find out more about the work we do, log on to wft.ie. Also, filmmakers, the deadline for our short film showcase is Friday 17th of September at 5pm. Log on to our site to find out how you could submit your film and be in with a chance of winning some very special prizes.